This is always such a wonderful feeling. You pick up the book, yeah. you open it to the page that we left from. I mean, every time I look at this book and see we've not come that far, and we've been speaking for what thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four weeks, mm. and there's just so much. I mean, if we wanted to, we could probably <laughs> be going even a lot slower. <laughs> But somehow, a part of us feels like you know we should not let the energy drag. But it's just amazing how much we've been able to dig out of this book. And let's see today what gold hides behind the mud of mere words. Page. We are on. Let me confirm if we are even on the right thing. One sixty-six, right? Sixty-six, is it? No, one sixty-four. One sixty-four, okay. and uh, the last conversation, the, la the last words that Sri Yukteswar and Yogananda were sharing was, of course, as we said, Sri Yukteswar both explaining the the um, infallibility of cosmic law as represented by the planets, and also the absolute need for man to break through those laws and to refuse to be governed by those laws. So. Uh, a seeming dichotomy, and of course, Yogananda picks up on that and says, "Well, then, why do you want me to wear these astrological bangles? You know, if the whole point is to go beyond it, why are you asking me, in a certain sense, to to cooperate with the law that I am meant to eventually overcome?" And this is where we left off last time. Sri Yukteswar saying, "It is only when a traveler has reached his goal that he is justified in discarding his maps." During the journey, he takes advantage of any convenient shortcut, and so that becomes, in a certain sense, a mantra for us on the spiritual path as well. Okay, you know, until I am not firmly established in the consciousness that I am seeking, let me try to use as much uh, help as I can receive. And of course, this can be seen as let me just take as much help from anywhere and any place that I get from. and that's not necessarily true see we're taking help from that one map that we have for some of us that one map is our guru for you that one map could be whatever it is that you are doing in this moment and it's that one map we're referring to and it's in that one map that we're trying to follow otherwise confusion sets in contradiction sets in i mean the spiritual path's confusing enough it has too many subtleties and just like right here I mean, in the very words of our own guru, kind of contradictions just right there. Do this, but also only so that you don't have to do this again. And so it's helpful that we stay true to that one map that we are following, to that one path that we are following. But while we are in it, definitely try to draw from it as much as you can. And then he says over here, there are certain mechanical features in the law of karma. which can be skillfully adjusted by the fingers of wisdom and that's the kind of you can say the the machinery of the universe a lot of it is just in perpetual motion just by the laws themselves it's not like god's kind of sitting there and saying okay iska karma i'll do this and iska karma there's a mechanical process the moment we put out any thought the universe is kind of an intelligent self driving machine that immediately responds to that thought and all we have to do in order to negate the effects of that particular thought is to now put out energy in the opposite direction and automatically just as the universe responded to the first thought it will do the same as well 
But of course, what we need and what we don't have enough of is wisdom. <laughs> we don't even know what thoughts are going out. <laughs> we don't even know what thoughts should be going out. And so therefore, this is the map that we will follow to find that out. And we continue now. All human ills arise from some transgression of universal law. The scriptures point out that man must satisfy the laws of nature while not discredit discrediting the divine omnipotence. So, first and foremost, we realize that anything that we are going through, any kind of ill that is plaguing you, whether it's from the perspective of health, from the perspective of a relationship, from the perspective of a situation or a circumstance that you deem, you know, unpleasant, it is in some fashion or the other a transgression of divine law that we've done in the past. And while that may seem sometimes a little unfair to those of us who are at least very serious about the spiritual path, it seems like a blessing because it's, it's like it's right there in front of your face. Ah, I did this. All right, so now what do I have to do? Rather than saying, I don't think I did this and you know, how could I have done this and this is, doesn't seem like me at all. I would never hurt anybody. I would, you know, so why am I going through this challenge or the other? And if you just reverse it, which is what the masters are asking us, which is what also the, the role of the, the uh, planets are in that sense. It's like, ah, this is what's going on. All right, now what do I do about it? So rather than becoming a slave or a victim to these transgressions, we use the very transgression to learn and to correct. Where are we? Oh, he should say, this is the devotee. Lord, I trust in thee, and I know that thou can help me, but I too will do my best to undo any wrong I have done. And that's the relationship between God and the devotee. It's a relationship of co-creation. It's a relationship where while we have absolute faith on God, there is also a part, part that we're kind of meant to play. And again and again you come back, of course, there are ample examples here but the most beautiful example being that of the Bhagavad Gita is where you've got Krishna he's going to say I'm going to I'm going to help you I'm going to direct every you uh, direct you every step of the way but this is what I'm going to require of you and what Krishna requires of Arjuna is not so much like kind of understanding what action to take but to be able to first and foremost open himself completely to Krishna so our part in everything that we do is about how can we open ourselves more and more. As Narayani was saying in the beginning, that trifecta, you know, the scripture, the guru, and the openness of the devotee. And that's hard itself. I mean, <laughs> trying to figure out how to open ourselves completely to God is like, is pretty much the, the philosopher's stone that we're looking for. By a number of means, and these are the means that Sri Yukteswar lists, by prayer, by willpower, by yoga meditation, by consultation with saints, and by use of astrological bangles, which is an interesting thing there, the adverse effects of past wrongs can be minimized or nullified. So what are our options? You've got prayer, which is something that all of us kind of, you know, just very naturally move towards. Unfortunately, many of us wait for problems to come into our life before we really use the power of prayer. It would be lovely 
to be using the power of prayer every day as much as we can so that our prayers are meaningful and that God recognizes the sincerity of our prayers and does not see us as um, you know as a merchant as a vaisya oh now I need your help so therefore I come to you in fact Swamiji if just a little thing here Swami Kriyananda says that the distinction between prayer and meditation is this that prayer is talking to God there is a conversation there is an exchange of energy of thoughts of your own heart to him you are opening your heart to share any little thing that that you feel like sharing as offering and as exchanging with God and meditation is listening for his answer and this is a great combination to always make sure that these two things go together because some of us we always want to talk and just <laughs> share and you know just just dump you know to other people and sometimes also to God all the things that need to be need to be fixed that need to be changed and very little we listen for that message but the beautiful thing about prayer is that we use it, yes, to pray for other people, to send energy, to, to communicate with, you know, with whoever. But, but really, prayer has the power to bring God right here, right now in your heart. So in a sense, to pray for others sometimes is like almost a beautiful excuse that God has created so we call out for his help so prayer has many layers and and it can be a wonderful tool to really bring god constantly into our awareness so we've got prayer we've got willpower and willpower is another one that not all of us use often we're in fact uh, if you ask people to use too much willpower, on a certain level they think, uh, don't you have faith in God? You know, so just, which for them means just be passive. If God has to fix it, he'll fix it. If he doesn't have to fix it, he won't fix it. Which to a certain degree, there's truth in that. But the willpower says that I with God can go through this process. And willpower often doesn't mean that I'm going to put out energy to change my circumstances. I'm going to put, on, put out energy to meet my circumstances. And that's where when God looks at us and he sees us, the way Yogananda explains, he says, if your karma is like this huge wave coming at you, you need to get bigger than that wave. And then that karma has no power, you, power over you at all. And that's again very important. And so Sri Yukteswar is saying here, we can change entirely the laws that govern the universe by prayer, but also by putting out a lot more willpower. And because our willpower is potentially infinite, the energy that we can put out to accomplish anything, to overcome anything, is also equally infinite. So mm -hmm. never run away, which is really the bottom line here. Don't run away from karma. Our Guru would say, if you run away from karma once, the next time it comes, it would have gained more, more power over you. And each time you run away, 
and each time you have to return to it because karma exists for us to neutralize, not to just hide away from. You're just going to be weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And the karma, that wave is going to just get larger each time. So the moment karma comes, the best thing, and this is where willpower is the key ingredient, is try your best to resolve that karma then and there. Another thing about karma and resolving it as quickly as you can is that if for whatever reason you have to deal with it at a later lifetime, uh, it becomes harder for us to figure out why that karma comes. And then it's really confusing. But in this moment, if you see something that's happening, your intention should be, this is where I want to stop this karma right now. And willpower is very, very important for that. I, I love the... Um kind of the, affir not affirmation, yeah, affirmation prayer that Yogananda wrote. I will reason, I will will, and I will act. I mean, mm. that in itself has such a warrior attitude and determination and energy is like, yes, I will do this. I will face my karma. Yet, but guide thou, guide you, my reason, will, and activity in everything I do. And I think this is a wonderful way to, to perceive, you know, what we really need in life to overcome anything really, which is our willpower and then to have the partnership of God. So as we have those two ingredients together, we can really overcome absolutely anything. So I think this is a good kind of a prayer, mantra, japa, affirmation to, to put around your house and perhaps to end every day your meditation with. I will reason, I will will, and I will act. But God guide you my reason, will, and activity in absolutely everything I'm going to face today. And if we can keep that underneath attitude and reminder constantly i think throughout the day we'll be able to keep those two ingredients alive our willpower we are not going to give up we are going to face this no matter how ugly it gets no matter how tired i am no matter how much i want to run away i'm going to do it as long as i have you by my side and and I love that. I mean, even by just talking about it, I just reminded myself, oh my God, I have to do this like more consciously every day. <laughs> by yoga meditation, of course. I think we speak enough about the power of yoga and meditation. By consultation with saints, which is another wonderful thing. And uh, it doesn't necessarily only mean... Um, going and visiting saints and asking them specifically quest specific questions but for us for who have access to saints you know through not just the books through their lives is essentially consulting them by reading the how they did it and in every situation you will see the amount of willpower that they put out you'll see the amount of yoga meditation that they do and you see the the prayer that is just a constant language of their heart and so that's an important thing don't think of like oh i need to find a saint somewhere 
and I'm going to go ask him. And don't even think that if you ask a saint a question, he's going to actually give you the answer <laughs> because that's also not the point here. Uh, he's going to ask, he's going to give you some super cryptic message which your mind will take however in that moment you are able to receive. Or he will not answer you. Oh yeah, <laughs> or he'll just, give, you know, completely dismiss it is how we would, we kind of saw with Swami Kriyananda. Somebody would ask a particular question and Swami would just answer seemingly something entirely different. And of course later on you hear that there were six other people who needed just that particular answer. And so you never know how these saints kind of really are trying to help us. However, through their example and that consultation is a beautiful thing that we can do daily. In fact, something to do daily is read at least something about a life of a saint or if the autobiography of a yogi is your go-to book, definitely to read this, just a little passage every day. And that's the consultation that we get from the saints. And of course, in our own meditations, through our own intuition, the masters speak to us always. And finally, he adds the use of astrological bangle. So, it's interesting that he's put an astrological bangle along with prayer, with willpower, with yoga and meditation, with consultation with saints and an astrological bangle. I would not, in my own understanding, kind of club this together. Just to talk about the astrological bangle, this is what, you know, what we're wearing right now, which is gold, silver and copper, pure metals. 99.9% uh, .9 as pure as you can get it and it's a very specific formula that Sri Yukteswarji gave. So now he talks about what an astrological bangle does. Just as a house can be fitted with a copper rod to absorb the shock of lightning, so the bodily temple can be benefited by various protective measures. Ages ago, our yogis discovered that pure metals emit an astral light which is powerfully counter uh, yeah. which powerfully counter what is where's the word which is powerfully counteractive to negative pulls of the planet subtle electrical and magnetic radiations are constantly circulating in the universe when a man's body is being aided he does not know it when it is being disintegrated he is still in ignorance can he do anything about it so Shrivadeshwar first and foremost is saying we have no idea when we're being helped, we have no idea when we're, you know, our lives are being uh, kind of put into a tumultuous aspect. We only know what our limited senses are able to tell us in each moment. We have no idea how the universe, the planets, how the plants, how the metals, how everything around us is constantly influencing us, both beneficially and of course malefically. So it's important for us to start A, tuning into them, but B, not also kind of worrying too much about them, but going into at least the few things that the saints have very concretely said. And over here, Sri Yukteswar talks about the pure metals and that the fact that they emit an astral light, which is powerfully counteractive to the negative pulls of the planets. What's interesting here, the example that he gives is of a lightning rod. So, while you might think, oh, how is, you know, the way karma is nullified. No, karma is not nullified by the fact that the karma just won't come to you at all. Like a lightning rod, the lightning rod does not stop the sky from there being any lightning. What it does is it channels that force of lightning that's going to come no matter what. Karma is going to come no matter what. Circumstances are going to come no matter what. 
but rather than allowing that energy to completely decimate us like a lightning rod it pulls it in an opposite direction or it pulls it towards itself in this particular case so karma itself because it's energy is not going to just be destroyed it's only going to be transmuted it's only going to be rechanneled and that's why we need to learn these certain things like willpower like the power of prayer it's not about please take this away take this away take this away it's more about as narayani said guide me so that as i act i act in harmony with this karma that i'm able to channel it in a way that it no longer affects me adversely this problem which is the problem of the fact that man has no idea whether he is being benefited or not by the universe received attention from our rishis they found helpful not only a combination of metals but also of plants and most effective of all faultless jewels of no less than 2 carats the preventive uses of astrology have seldom be been seriously studied outside of india one little known fact is that the proper jewels metals or plant preparations are valueless unless the required weight is secured and unless these remedial agents are worn next to the skin so if you are one who's already wearing certain stones i'm sure um especially in india you see it as a fairly common practice people wearing certain jewels certain precious stones that are astrologically beneficial to them just kind of on a completely layman understanding these are the two things that we need to make sure one is that the stone or sometimes you wear what's called a tabiz you know which might have some sort of a herbal preparation inside it or a metal is that it's touching the skin so if you have your ring or if you have an armlet or if there's something that you are wearing just make sure that it's indeed touching the skin that's an important aspect secondly make sure that it is of a certain weight and here shri yukteswar says no less than 2 carats so that's another thing to just be aware about because many of us are just ignorant of these facts and we rely on other people's expertise to help us and guide us through this so if nothing else if you can remember these two things that the stone has to be faultless it has to be of a certain weight and it needs to be touching the skin when i think about metals and i think about these precious stones what comes to me is the fact that they have been for millions of years in these high pressure systems deep within the earth so they're really drawing so much power it's not like oh you know i just picked up this stone and i'm now you know where this this is something that's been forming for eons i mean before time immemorial we can't even think that far millions of years a carbon atom began to form in a certain way a piece of wood becomes coal can you imagine that wood becomes coal becomes a diamond I mean who would ever think that I would could take a piece of coal and make a diamond out of it but that's the energy that the earth is putting into it refining it giving it power eventually it holds so much power inside it that is why we are so um just naturally drawn to gold to these precious metals to these precious stones if somebody were to show uh, even a complete stranger who's never heard 
of jewels in their life. If I were to show them a beautiful yellow sapphire or a diamond, instantly, even if they know, if they had no idea that these things have value in the way that we think value that is monetarily today, they'll be drawn to it because there is a natural power to these things. The light that it's, it holds, especially diamonds and uh, certain uh, precious gems, the light that they hold and their ability to transfer that light to us is as Sri Yukteswar was talking about, that astral light which counteracts these negative pulls. So this is not just kind of, oh, I believe in it. Oh, my astrologer told me, so I You have to also work with these jewels because they have a certain consciousness. Uh, Swamiji would say that uh, if a jewel comes to you on its own, that's really the most powerful way to attract these jewels than even if you go and buy it. Because that jewel, it has a certain vibration that resonates with you and that you can almost wait for it. If ever you feel that you need something, just put that call out into the universe and wait for that uh, kind of that particular gemstone to come to you because then it's perfectly in resonance with your energy. Want to add anything? No, I was thinking that Swamiji once says that the stones, especially precious stones and gems, they have a consciousness of their own and they emanate that pure consciousness that has the power really to create a protective field around you when you wear them. I, I know Sri Yudeshwar is going to speak a little bit more about it, but I was just thinking, before Swamiji passed away, one morning, suddenly he told me, I think you should wear a yellow sapphire. It's just really going to benefit you. I think, you know, it's going to be a good thing for you. And I told Swamiji, I, I don't really know. I just, I don't feel myself, you know, wearing the stones. It feels too much for me. I just, I don't, no, no, I think it will help you. So he just set his mind like she has to wear a yellow sapphire. It's going to benefit her. Anyway, one thing led to another and he bought that yellow sapphire. He was like determined for me to have that yellow sapphire. I couldn't understand what was going on. Why was he so adamant for me to have that stone with me, wearing that stone? And seven months later, Swamiji passed away. But there I was wearing my yellow sapphire and yellow sapphire has the property to reinforce your Jupiter, the, the planet of your guru and, and that energy that Swamiji was going to leave a void in my life. And even though I think he didn't know exactly the time when he was going to leave, intuitively he felt I needed to have something that will increase my magnetism, that will increase my level of energy once he wouldn't be anymore in the body. So it's something very interesting to contemplate because he just felt that a stone, a particular stone, will help me to go through that karma. And in this case, the karma was to, you know, accept his 
departure and his exit from my life and for some reason that stone had something that was benefiting tremendously um, substituting that absence that was Swamiji himself so anyway just now I'm thinking like wow this is something I would like to meditate a little bit more about it but just bringing the importance of stones have power and can be used uh, in a very particular ways so after Sri Yukteswar explains all of that to Yogananda he says sir of course I shall take your advice and get a bangle he says, for general purposes, I counsel the use of an armlet made of gold, silver and copper, as we were just talking about. But for a specific purpose, I want you to get one of silver and lead. Guruji, what specific purpose do you mean? And then Sri Yukteswar says, the stars are about to take an unfriendly interest in you, Mukunda. Fear not, you shall be protected. In about a month, your liver will cause you much trouble. The illness is scheduled to last for six months. But your use of an astrological armlet will shorten the period to 24 days. Again and again we see in the autobiography, Sri Yukteswar knowing exactly what Yogananda is going to go through, even telling him what he's going to go through, yet not saying, don't worry, I won't let you go through it. Still letting him completely, like, your liver is going to give you lots of trouble <laughs> and you're going to have to go through it but only helping him. And that's an amazing thing about these saints. They're not looking to kind of make our lives cozy and ki, Achha, you should have no trouble in your lives. Chal, chal, ye bhi main le leta hu. You know, they want us to be stronger. Yet, they also know how the universal law works. And within that law, they're willing to use whatever kind of, as he said, shortcut that is available to us. So it's really important for us to start developing this consciousness of not wanting to get kind of get away easily from your karma but having that really faith and that strength to want to work with your karma it's the only way you'll mm -hmm. actually overcome it if you somehow manage to kind of circumvent it now as we said it's only to then invite it later at another time like one of yogananda's most advanced disciples is the Yanamata. This was like her constant almost demand to her guru. Change no circumstances. Don't change my karma. Don't make it easy for me. But change me in the process. And that's such an amazing attitude. I mean such a courage it takes to to affirm in the ether like i don't want to have an easy life i don't want to you know just cut cut you know cut corners in my own you know with my own karma just give it to me give it to me whatever it takes and and, and change me in the process i mean imagine when when we talk to the guru like that like i'm fearless i mean i'm here to give it my best and I'm going to make of this lifetime the most amazing opportunity to overcome as much as I can. I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's not going to be, you know, always it's going to be in the way I want, but 
I'm ready for it. I mean, when the guru sees and hears that attitude, it's like, oh my God, finally, I have someone to work with, you know, I will, that, and that's our, that's his legacy. That's really his legacy to make of us, I mean, these amazing, not just disciples, but you know, to, to bring out the best of us so we can go closer and faster to God without just, you know, entertaining ourselves with what comes along the way. So if you don't know what to pray for, uh, I would say pray for the courage and the determination to, to have an attitude of going all for it. I sought out a jeweler the next day and was soon wearing the bangle. My health was excellent. Master's prediction slipped from my mind. He left Sirampur to visit Benares. Thirty days after our conversation, I felt a sudden pain in the region of my liver. The following weeks were a nightmare of excruciating pain. Reluctant to disturb my guru, let's take a moment and let this sound pass. These are our helicopter reminders of silence. Reluctant to disturb my guru, I thought I would bravely endure my trial alone. But 23 days of torture weakened my resolution. I entrained for Benares. And then of course, there he is in front of his guru. He says, you must have come about your liver disorder. <laughs> Sri Yukteswar's gaze was averted. He walked to and fro, occasionally intercepting the moonlight. Let me see. You have been ailing for 24 days, haven't you? Yes, sir. Please do the stomach exercise I have taught you. If you knew the extent of my suffering, master, you would not ask me to exercise. Nevertheless, I made a feeble attempt. This is how we are. <laughs> Guru, if only you knew you would not tell me to do any of this stuff. You would just say, wait, I'll take care of you. But again, that's not how the Guru works, isn't that? We keep kind of somehow, I don't know where we get this idea from, like they are some sort of magicians or uh, just waiting for our orders to say, but they really, they, they want our freedom. They don't want us to become, you know, cowards. I like the fact <laughs> that he's asking Yogananda to do that very exercise that will feel even more painful. <laughs> I mean, not just like thing, you know, uplift your gaze and offer everything. Like, I mean, you have pain there. Do something that is going to, you know, increase that pain. And you'll see like after that, you will feel better. And that's what the Guru sometimes asks of us. If that's an area of your life that you feel it's painful to go through it, just go all the way in it. Just deepen that experience. Go all the way through it until you just, just touch the bottom of it. And only then you can release the pain that has been accumulating in that part or in that area of your life and it's just not going to go away unless that you go all the way in 
and, and just work with the root of that. And in this case, it comes in the form of, okay, that's where you have the pain, do this exercise that is just going to just work directly in that part of your body. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, I mean, I love Sri Yuteshwar. He's just like, he's the best. So nevertheless, I made a feeble attempt to obey him. And then Sri Yukteswar says, You say you have pain, I say you have none. And how can such contradictions exist? <laughs> My guru looked at me. I was dazed and then overcome with joyful relief. No, no longer could I feel the continuous torment that had kept me nearly sleepless for weeks. I started to kneel at his feet in gratitude, but he quickly prevented me. Don't be childish. Get up and enjoy the beauty of the moon over the Ganges. But Master's eyes were twinkling, happily as I stood in silence beside him. I understood by his attitude that he wanted me to feel that not he, but God had been the healer. Again, another just beautiful, beautiful thing for us to always remember. In everything, to really tune into God behind it all. And imagine that, the Guru who is in fact, you know, fully representing God in that moment. Even he won't accept that praise. Even he won't let Yogananda's mind somehow be limited and focused to just that body and to just that time. But still saying, no, go all the way. Don't be childish. Don't think I did anything. Know that God is the real healer, is the real doer. And so that's another important thing for our own lives. In anything that happens, good and bad, <laughs> just go up to God and say, ah, you're doing this. This is all you. I wear even now the heavy silver and lead bangle as a memento of that day long past and ever cherished. I had been prejudiced against astrology from my childhood, partly because I observed that many people are sequaciously attached to it, and partly because of a prediction made by our family astrologer. We've all had people who've made predictions, haven't we? You will marry three times, being twice a widower. I brooded over the matter. So, at some point, you know, as a child, his family asked an astrologer to look at his chart and the astrologer said, Ki, this guy is going to marry three times, twice he's gonna, his wife is going to pass away, so twice he'll be a widower. I brooded over the matter, feeling like a goat <laughs> awaiting sacrifice before the temple of triple matrimony. <laughs> you may as well be resigned to your fate, my brother Ananta had remarked. Your written horoscope has correctly stated that you would fly from home toward the Himalayas during your early years, but would be forcibly returned. So this was also in his horoscope. So the planets kind of already reflected that, that, tendency. that tendency, that inner desire, having come obviously from Master's many past lives, having lived in the Himalayas, having lived these deeply solitudinous lives far from the maddening crowd. So that pull was very strong in Yogananda and his chart reflected that perfectly. He's going to try to run. So it's almost like the parents already knew, Acha, mera beta bhagne wala hai and I'm going to have to bring him back. 
So Ananta, his brother saying, you see, it was written that you're going to run and it was written that you'll be forcibly returned. So therefore, the marriage part also has to be true. So therefore, as he says, the forecast of your marriages is also bound to be true. A clear intuition came to me one night that the prophecy was wholly false. I set fire to the horoscope scroll, placing the ashes in a paper bag on which I wrote. I mean, imagine this is, you know, this is a young boy. This is not, you know, you and me after get, after 10, 15 years of been on the spiritual path and saying, Chalo, Abhi, let me try to overcome my faith. This is a young boy with that deep intuitive power. And he wrote on the bag with the ashes, Seeds of past karma cannot germinate if they are roasted in the divine fires of wisdom. I put the bag in a conspicuous spot. So he put it so that Ananta can see it. Ananta immediately read my defiant comment and said, you cannot destroy truth as easily as you have burnt this paper scroll. So Ananta was enjoying himself. Like, Dekha bhi, tu pakla jayega. It is a fact that on three occasions before I reached manhood, my family tried to arrange my betrothal. Each time, I refused to fall in with their plans, knowing that my love for God was more overwhelming than any astrological persuasion from the past. So you see, this requires. This is what Sri Yukteswar was talking about willpower here. There was very much, I mean, this was not that Yogananda said, nahi hone hi nahi wala hai. There was so much energy in the direction to ensure that he gets married. Three times his family kind of tried their absolute best to get Yogananda married. But his willpower, that's what he took. He increased it to the point where there was so much energy that he was able to overcome even the natural pull of his own karma. The deeper the self-realization of a man, the more he influences the whole universe by his subtle spiritual vibrations, and the less he himself is affected by the phenomenal flux. So that's kind of a re real takeaway for us right now. The deeper the self-realization of a man, the more he influences the whole universe. And that's what we want to do. Sooner or later, we get to the point where we want to become an influence in the universe rather than be constantly influenced by it. And you can think about it in the perspective of the planets themselves. The larger the planet, the larger its gravitational field, and the more it draws and pulls everything, or in certain cases, repels things around it. And the smaller the little debris up there, it has no power of its own, and it's wholly dependent on the gravitational pulls around it to direct and guide its path through the universe. And that's how we can become our auras through our spiritual practices, through willpower, through attunement with our guru. We can expand the auras until our own spiritual gravitational field becomes so powerful that anything that comes in our orbit is forced to conform to the energy that we are putting out. And you see that even in little ways in your life. When you step onto the spiritual path, already subtly 
so many things in our lives begin to change. People who were very close to us now suddenly they disappear from our lives. People who we never met before suddenly have entered our lives in such you know amazing ways. Circumstances, habits, everything begins to change one by one, and it's entirely a result of that magnetic force that we create. Even a little self-realization, which in our case is just that I want self-realization, even that influences the world around us so much. I was thinking just with this paragraph of Yogananda by thinking and just like almost mm, destroying his own past karma uh, or what he had to go in this lifetime makes me think this is what it takes from each one of us to achieve success of any kind. In this case, we are talking about the spiritual success. Yogananda wanted God and he was not going to, you know, take less than God himself. But for many of us, we are not there yet. Our love for God is not so deep that we are willing just to write in a paper the name <laughs> of our children or our company or, you know, whatever we really are still dealing with. But this is what it takes to achieve success even in our daily meditations. If you really want to establish a deeper, stronger uh, daily habit of meditation. This is what is going to require of you. Every day, just breaking and resisting all those people around you or circumstances that are just pulling you to go, to go in a different direction of the direction you really want to go. And you are going to face this every time you set your mind to, I want to meditate. I need to meditate right now. It's my time. Your children are going to come. The phone is going to ring. Something else is going to happen. And it will prevent you from just putting that intensity and, and willpower required to even just have that meditation that day. So think about it uh, and Every time you sit to meditate, every time you set aside 50 minutes just to pray for other people, or every time you are taking just one hour in silence, or half an hour to study your Guru's teachings, make sure that nothing and no one is going to mm, prevent you or stop you from really just uh, breaking through that karma and those influences that, you know, will keep, not stopping you, but just um, yeah, de you delaying your own spiritual progress, as in this case for Yogananda was perhaps marriage, and he <laughs> said, marriage is not for me in this incarnation, I know that. So in the same way, we will need to choose, and perhaps you need to start with your just your daily meditation. This is my time and no matter what, I stick to it. We've come pretty much to the end of our class, but that's a lovely note to leave it on, isn't it? Those words. Um, it's almost like you can judge to a certain degree the level of 
the self-realization or the level of spiritual kind of magnetism that we've created is by this. How much of the world am I influencing and how much am I being influenced by it? And the more that you can see that circumstances, people, things have automatically around you shifted in accordance to what will allow you to live more deeply your spiritual life and journey, that'll help you understand, ah, something is happening. And the more you feel, as Narayani says, that I'm still like, that I still can't even establish a daily meditation routine because, you know, and when people say that to us, of course, we're very compassionate of the fact and we know how hard it can be. I mean, we've faced that challenge ourselves far more than we would like to care to admit. But if that's where we are, then it just shows us that the world still has so much more influence over us than our, our spiritual magnetism has over the world. And that, that says something. And we don't need to be discouraged by it, just like we don't need to be discouraged by our karma or by the planets or by what our cards say. But then we have to use that and say, you know what? I'm not going to let this stand anymore. I'm going to change this because I have the power to change that. So see if you can use all these things almost in the reverse engineering of it to say, all right, let me find out how much influence I exert and how much influence does the universe exert over me. Jai Guru. Jai Guru.